No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Let's read verse 13 15 again, one more time. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I heard from my Father, I have made known to you. John 15, 9 through 15. We are finishing up our series this morning, and this changes everything. And this series that we've been doing, this is the sixth message in this series. So it's probably about time we wrap it up, right? So we've been doing this series, this changes everything. And, and, and this series kind of is, is birthed out of this thought that, that I realized for me when I started following Jesus. At the end of my freshman year of college, I'd grown up in church around the Bible and heard about Jesus and believed in Jesus. And when I started reading the Bible, I started realizing kind of this thought came, came through my heart that, man, if this stuff is true, if, if God is who this book says he is, if Jesus is really who he said he was, and I am, if we are called to be and do the things that God calls us to be and do in this book, then this is way more significant than Sunday morning activity. This changes everything. If this is true, this changes everything. And that's the series that we've been doing these last six weeks. And I want to finish the series this morning with a message that I'm tired of. Go ahead and write this up at the top of your notes. If you have notes out, get them out. Because everybody knows there's more points in heaven for you. Bring it up. It's not true. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? That's the message for the show. Why would you do that? Anybody ever looked at you confused and said, Do something that I thought was going to be really cool ends up not being that cool. People look at me. And uh, I've been asked, like I said, this question uh, more times than I can count in my life. And uh, my, by my family, by my friends, I'm kind of like that guy in the friend group that's always doing something. So I'm like, why would you do that? I was actually in Salt Lake City a few weeks ago with a friend uh, who's got a gang action center in Salt Lake. And the way he introduced me to their uh, training school that I was speaking to that night, he said, Andy was that friend in college who was exhausting. Thanks. <laughs> Love you too. <laughs> I've been asked this question a lot in my life because, like I said, it usually comes after trying to do something like extremely cool or like athletic or extreme or something. I'm there laying on my back on concrete and people are like, really, first, the first question is, what were you doing? Like, you can't even tell what you're going for. Like, what were you doing? And it's like, well, I mean, I thought it was going to be cool when I ran and jumped off those stairs onto the first basketball hoop so I could jump off of that and dunk in the second basketball hoop. And people are like, okay, why would you do that? Like, I thought it was cool, but people were like, why, why would you do that? And I find myself now asking this question a lot to uh, one particular individual, um, and that would be my toddler, Rose. She's two and a half, and I find myself asking this question a lot. Like, why? Why would you do that? What, what, what were you doing and why would you do that? Like the other day, uh, I'm making breakfast in the kitchen and she has this obsession with closing doors. I think that's a popular thing. So she's slamming doors all the time. She thinks it's so fun. And uh, she closes the bathroom door in our downstairs and uh, she starts trying to open the kitchen and it's locked. Like, oh, I wonder how that happened. So she locked the door and closed. Thankfully, she wasn't in the bathroom. She was outside, but she locked it. So I went into superhero dad mode, of course. 
with a hanger flattening it, getting it and open it. Thank you very much. <laughs> and uh, I kind of rig it, get it all locked, and I, and I kind of kneel down and I said, hey, Rosie, I don't know why you really like to lock the door closer, but when you do that, Daddy has to do all this stuff. And so could you, could you please not, let's not do that anymore. Okay, I said, yes, Daddy. So I go back to making my breakfast, and uh, within two minutes later, I hear a click, sleep! <coughs> and I wake up, and she's just staring at me. Like, not even trying. She knew exactly what she had done. I said, what was it? Did you just lock the door and shut it again? Yes. Why would you do that? <laughs> Why would you do that? This thing locked for about three days. Because it was hard when you get it open the second. Uh, but why, why would you do that? I think we, we all uh, kind of wonder that sometimes about uh, people in our lives. Or sometimes we look at stuff we do, but like, anyway, why would you do that? That was not smart. We ask ourselves that, that sometimes. We all ask why in our life. And, and, I mean, like, especially nowadays, we're asking this question why. Like, if you turn on the news and you see anybody related to the presidential election do anything at all, why would you do that? I think we're just kind of all wondering. Why? Why would you do that? But we're not going to get into that this morning. We'll talk politics next week, so I'm serious. Oh boy. Anyways, why would you do that? You're wondering, why would you do that? Why would you do that? We, we all ask why. And, and the thing about why is it's a great question. We start asking when we're really little. But, but the thing about why is that we all, we all ask why, but we also have a why. We all have a why. And for anything that we're doing in our life, behind every one of our what's, that we do. Every time, everything, every time you do a what, there's a why behind the what that you do. And oftentimes your why, like why you do something drives the what that you're doing. Like you drive on the right side of the road, that's your what, the why, because you're American. And that's the right way to do it. That's why I do the what that I do. And a lot of times uh, the why then behind what you do affects the value of the what you do. What I mean by that is, you know, if, if you bring flowers home for your wife for your anniversary, the value is drastically affected if the why is because you remember that it's the night or if you forgot it was The reason why really affects the value of the what. Are you tracking with me this morning? So a lot of times the, the, the why affects the what. We, we, all, we all have a why. And, and if we're honest, this question why, that we start asking a little and Asking our little children and we get older, just question why we also ask it a lot to God. I think a lot of the time we're walking around with a handful of why when, when it comes to God. I don't know about you, but, but I ask that question a lot. I mean, why, why is this happening? Why is XYZ situation happening? Why didn't I get the answer to my prayer the way that I wanted? Why do good things, or why do bad things happen to good people, like good people like me? Why do why bad things happen? Why, why do bad things happen? Why is this, why is, or why was this situation allowed in my life? Well, that was painful, that hurt me. Why, why would you do that? Why would you allow that? Why would you let that happen? I think maybe we've all carried that question around a few times, if, if we're honest. I think our natural and, and common response when we don't understand something, obviously, is to ask, well, why? Why did that happen? And when it comes to God and what we perceive He is or isn't doing, what He has or hasn't done, if we're honest, I think a lot of times we carry around this question, okay, God, why would you do that? Why wouldn't you do that? Why? Anybody ever ask God why? 
three of us behind us. <laughs> In John chapter 15, these verses that we read just a few minutes ago, I believe that uh, we're picking up in the middle of a significant conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples. And we, we talked about that earlier. And, and Jesus is trying to reveal to us a, a humongous why, a humongous explanation of why. And in fact, I believe that, that Jesus here in John chapter 15, and he's trying to offer clarity on the ultimate why behind the ultimate what. Here in John chapter 15. Now that, that's a huge statement that I just made. So just track with me for a second on this. So we, we've kind of said this a little bit this morning already. But just, just track with me. If the Bible is true, okay, like if Jesus really was the Son of God incarnate, the Messiah, if he, if he was God, okay, so if he was, a, if, and if we were in fact created to be in relationship with God, if, if that's what we were really made for, like the Bible, the Bible tells us, and if our sin, our rebellion has, has created a gap between us and God, the relationship that we were made for. If that's true, that we can't reconcile ourselves to God and, and we can't do it by ourselves. And if it's true that Jesus came, he lived a perfect life, he died the death, died the death that we owe, and he raised to life, and he wants to fill us with his spirit like last week. If, if all of this is true, then, then the crucifixion and the resurrection, what's coming hours? After this conversation, if all of this is true, then that has to be, the crucifixion and resurrection has to be the ultimate one in all of history. That, I mean, that, that, is, that is the tops right there. Everything hinges on that. If, if all this is true, then the ultimate what is the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. And he wants to give us kind of the why behind the what. And I believe that when Jesus gives us the why behind the what, not only does the what, the crucifixion and the resurrection change everything, but this morning I want to talk about the why that changes everything. Yeah. Now, there's no legitimate, real, I mean, people would be more, if we're honest, we're agreeing, there's no legitimate argument against Jesus as a historical figure, and uh, that he was alive and crucified, there's zillions of records that Jesus was a man, he, he, he taught these things, and he had this sort of social and cultural impact that the Gospels explained. He, he was a real person, but everything kind of comes up to the resurrection. That's, there's a lot of historical documentation for that, too, but that's kind of hard to believe because it's like, you know, somebody predicting and then going back around the resurrection. But that's just a big leap no matter what, right? So there's, there's no doubt that Jesus was real, but it comes up to this crucifixion and resur resurrection question. But so. But if we can make this leap of faith, if we're we going to believe that Jesus died and rose again, then this changes absolutely everything. And this is what we've been talking about these last five weeks. I believe that not only, like I said, does the what of the crucifixion change everything, but the why behind the crucifixion and resurrection changes everything. So thanks for tracking with me for a few minutes as I kind of explain this deal. I want to, I want to get into to what Jesus is saying here. So like I said, John 15, we're still there, right? You guys with me? Yep. John 15, his friends, like, if, if you've been around church, you know that, that things are about to get crazy for them, and then, like, the rest of the New Testament happens, and here we are today. So, firestorm of activity coming their way. Things are about to get more wild than they have ever been for his friends here. They're about to get scary, things are about to be hectic, dangerous, that kind of sounds like our life sometimes. Scary, hectic, <laughs> dangerous. Uh, confused, I don't know what's coming. We can totally relate with where the disciples are 
in this moment in John chapter 15. Now for quite some time, Jesus has been paving the road. He's been paving the way. He's like, hey guys, I'm, I'm going to get arrested, and I'm going to be killed, and I'm going to raise again. And they're like, okay, cool, what do you mean by that? He says, no, that's exactly what I mean. Like, cool, but what do you mean? He's like, oh, I'm serious. This is actually going to happen. So, I mean, think about it. If I started telling you guys that, you'd be like, that, I don't understand. So, I can relate with the disciples being a little confused here. So Jesus has been paving the way for the what, um, but, then, but in these verses, he, he reveals a why. He's, he's telling them, he's been telling them, okay, guys, I'm going to die, but I'm going to raise again. So when I die, believe I'm going to raise again, and I'll help you navigate the emotions of the, of the, of the death, and we believe the resurrection is coming. But now that I want to tell you what, he's revealing this, this huge why. Is this, I believe he wants you to know the why. He wants me to know the why as well. I think verse 13 is probably a verse that you've heard before, especially if uh, you've spent a lot of time in church. Even if you haven't, I think that this verse is something that we've probably all heard before. Verse 15, it says, Greater love is no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, growing up, um, whenever I would read a verse like this, I'd be trying to look at myself. And, and I read this verse, okay, greater love is no one than this, someone lay down his life for his friends. My, you know, response is, to think, well, shoot, I must not be that great of a friend. I just read this verse and say, man, there's another example of the Bible making things really hard. That's like a really high benchmark. If that's what a good friend is, what am I doing? I think I'm trying, but I, I just, I would read these verses in the Bible and realize, well, gee, I don't think I'm good at that. You better feel like that. Read the Bible. And I think that that's an example of that when we get caught up in our religious mindsets, when we see God as this distant being trying to make things difficult for us, then verses like verse 13 become an incredibly high benchmark. I read this, and I've always read this, is if you want to be your friend, you need to die for your friends. And, and that's, that's how I read that. Once again, Christianity is impossible, and I get to go to church to feel bad about myself. Just like last week. And the week before that, here we go again. This is all, this is all really complicated. But that's the problem. When we see Jesus' words as words that create religion instead of explain relationship. We should write that down. There's a problem when we see Jesus' words as words that create religion instead of explain relationship. When you read the Bible, this book, Jesus' words were not an effort to establish a new religious system where you continue to work hard and try to impress God and build your way up to Him and make yourself better and try harder and do better next time. That's not what Jesus' words were about. Jesus came to explain relationship. You were made to be in a relationship with God. His words explain relationship. And when we get that, we begin to see His words and respond to His words very, very differently. The primary focus of Christianity is not the rules or the constructs or rituals or rites. It's not, that's not the primary focus of Christianity. The primary focus of Christianity, the primary focus of Jesus is this truth, not that we earn our way to God through religion, but He comes to us in relationship. Jesus' words don't create religion. They explain relationship. And when we get focused on the religion instead of the relationship, we start to make verses about us that are supposed to be about Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. 
When we get lost in religion, we start making verses that are supposed to be, or we may start, start making verses about us that are supposed to be about Jesus. That's significant. When we're missing the target audience of the verse, of course I'm going to feel waiting. Verse 13 here isn't a bar that Jesus is setting for you to jump over. He is making a statement to reveal the depths of God himself. This is a verse where Jesus, he's trying to reveal God's character, not set a new benchmark. Verse 13 is not a new benchmark. It's a revelation of the character of God himself. In verse 13, Jesus isn't telling you what to do. Jesus is telling you who he is. Greater love has no one been this, that he laid down his life for his friends. He's telling his disciples, he is telling you that the greatest what, the greatest what, greater love has nothing bigger than this. The greatest what is to lay down your life. And the greatest why is to do it because you love your friends. He's saying the greatest what is to lay down your life. And the greatest why is because you love your friends. And what did Jesus do? What did Jesus know he was going to do in the coming hours as he's trying to explain to these guys there's something coming and I need you to know not just what's coming but why it's, why it's happening. What is it that Jesus did? He took on flesh and bone. He lived a perfect life. He revealed to us who God is. He died a debt to pay a debt that he didn't owe and he raised a life to give you a life you were made for. What did he do? He laid down his life. This is where we all need to look at Jesus in light of what he did and ask a simple question, why would you do that? Because if the greatest what is to lay down your life and Jesus did that, maybe he did it because he loves you and because you're his friend. Talking about we're friends of God. If this is true, this changes everything. And really, I'm going to finish our message here this morning. We're going to talk a little bit just mainly about the main point this morning is Jesus loves you. This changes everything. And really, my prayer is that we all walk out of here this morning with a new revelation, with a new meaning. What if it's true that Jesus could really love you? What if Jesus loves you? And is that changing everything? Like I said, we need to look at the what that Jesus did and ask him a question. This is what comes up in verse 13 in John chapter 15. It says, what I'm going to do is lay down my life for you. And I think the proper question is for each of us individually and for us together this morning to look at Jesus and say, okay, so you're perfect, you're God, we rebelled against you, and we've sinned against you, so you came to our planet, you took on our life, and you're going to die a death, and we, why would you do that? Why would you do that? But why would you do that? Because the reason, that, the reason why Jesus would do that is because when Jesus looks at you, he sees suffering. When Jesus looks at you, he sees a friend. He sees a friend that he loves. And there is no greater way that he could show love for his friends than to give up his life. Why did Jesus die? Why did Jesus do what he did? Why would he do all of that? Because before he did it, he saw you. 
He sees a friend. Verse 13 isn't about you, it's about Jesus. He's saying there's no greater love, guys. There's no greater love than to give up your life for your friends. And that's what I want to do for you, my friends. Verse 13 isn't about you, it's about Jesus. But verse 15 is when he says, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. I have called you Why, why would you do that? This series, we've been talking about these truths that would change absolutely everything. And I think it begs the question when we look at Jesus. Uh, week one, we talk about the light. Why? Well, Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. Why would you do that? Why, why would you leave heaven and come to our nasty planet and take up our life where we could kill you and hate you and be mad at you and crucify you? Why would you, why would you do that? Why would you go be the light of the world? Why would you come and be the light of the world? Why would you do that? Why would you be a God that, that comes to us and releases a sound from heaven and, and it breaks through the white noise of my life? Why, why would you do that? Why would, why would you take care of all of my dirty laundry, all of the things that I can't just get a grip on in my life? Why, why would you do that? Why would you take care of my dirty laundry? Why would you allow me to touch you? Why would you make yourself available to where I could touch you and get the healing that I need, but I don't deserve? Why would you do that? Why would you overwhelm me with your very spirit? Why would you lay down your life for me? Why would you do that? Why would you do that? Because I love you.
What if Christianity isn't just another religious system built to control you? What if God didn't save you out of anger or frustration or because he was annoyed? What if he has made himself noble? What if he calls you a friend? What if it's really true that Jesus died and rose again because Jesus loves you? What if it's true that Jesus loves you? We're made for more than religion. We are made for and this is what Jesus came to agree to. We are made to be friends with God, and Jesus has made it possible. As you read through the Gospels, you see that Jesus had a deep relationship with the Father. And I'm going to give you three quick practical things to begin this morning about what does it look like, and what did Jesus model for us when it comes to living out friendship with God. Because you are made to live your life as a friend of God. You are made to just make a decision to give your life to Jesus and then die someday, and everything in the world is going to happen. You are able to walk out today a friend of God. Not because of anything you do, but because that's what Jesus sees when he looks at you. I'm going to give you three things about what it looks like to build friendship with God. First thing, spend time with God. Spend time with Jesus. You've probably heard this called quiet time, emotional time, time in the Word, or whatever you call it, whatever you want to call it, but you are able to spend time with God, like a friend. You know how you have friends and you hang out with them? Yeah, like that. You and Jesus. Spend time with Jesus. You don't have to read your Bible and pray anymore because you have to and it makes you a better Christian. You get to read your Bible and pray and worship because Jesus is with you. And he wants to talk. He wants to show you who he is. He wants to talk to you about what he's called you to, about what's going on in your life. He wants to talk to you about what you have the power to do by his spirit in the world that you walk in. He wants to talk to you. He wants to make you uh, know not just words on a page, but know who he is as a friend. Spend time with Jesus. I encourage you to make a routine to spend time with Jesus in your life. Coming to church on Sunday is not going to take you very far. It's part of the puzzle, but it is not the whole thing. We are able, we are invited through the death and resurrection of Jesus to walk moment by moment in friendship with God. With God. Carve out some time in your life. And I, just really easy, people ask me all the time, what does that mean? What exactly does that mean? Well, think about it as a friend. When you hang out with a friend, you set a time and a place, right? So that's what I like to do with Jesus. I've got a time that I meet every morning. And we've got a place that's the same place every day. Really easy, just like you would a friend. We sit down and we talk. Sometimes it's really glorious, and sometimes it's like, oh, I'm really tired. But isn't that how it is when you hang out with your friends? Okay, you're awesome, and sometimes I have to go home. <laughs> we don't get all weird and spiritual about it. Like, oh, does that mean that there's angels there every day? And it's just like, oh, you can be a friend of God. Spend time with Jesus. It's not to make you a better Christian. It's because you have an appointment with a friend. And I think one thing that changed my life, I always grown up hearing about how I should have quiet time or journal or read my Bible, all that kind of stuff. I knew I should do that. But what changed my life was when I realized that Jesus wanted to meet me there. I always thought that I was like, if I show up, then Jesus will have to show up because he wants to meet me up. And he's nice. Because he's God. What if you really did believe that Jesus always sees you as a friend and he's ready? I want to handle you. When you open up your Bible, I don't know what to do with this whole thing. What if you just open it up and say, okay, God, 
out the road for you. So let's just keep saying yes. The closer we walk in friendship, the closer we walk by his side, the more we'll stay where we're always not meant to be. Spend time with God, be in community, and live a life of obedience. You are able to live your life as a friend of God. And I, I, I want to wrap up this series. We're going to end right here in the next couple minutes. And I just wanted to end this series on, on this note that uh, we can we can come to church and we can do the thing all day long. But I, my biggest dream for, for you and for me is that I'm going to live this life as a friend of Jesus. The whole world doesn't need more church folk. The world doesn't need more people with the right answers and great opinions and the right political persuasion. That's not what the world needs. The world needs people who know Jesus. The world needs people who know Jesus. And that's my prayer for, for all of us, is that we would be people that, um, you know, we may not be the fastest, this and that, we may not be the smartest person in the world, but when somebody needs to know what God's doing, they know what a friend it is. You can be a friend of Jesus. And that's what my prayer is that our church, as long as we exist, as long as we're all doing this together, that that's our highest goal. How are we walking as friends of Jesus? When Jesus came, he hung out and spent most of his time with 11 guys for three years. He probably became pretty good friends. He, could, he was still in the stadium, but he didn't focus on that. He focused on his friends. We can be friends of God, and we can change the world. Because when you walk as a friend of Jesus, it changes everything. It changes everything. So would you like to sing it with me? This morning, as we wrap up, we're going to go into worship. Our mission statement as a church is to preach the gospel of the kingdom and to make others great. That's why we exist. And this is the good news of the kingdom that you can be a friend of God. And when we walk as friends of God, we never have to worry about making ourselves great. We're just free to serve. Because I'm good. I know Jesus. <laughs> and I talk as we close, we like to be people who respond. Uh, to what God's doing. And maybe the Holy Spirit is stirring something up in you. And uh, I just want to kind of have a moment as we go into worship where you can respond. And I talked a little bit about how we get distracted by religion. That's the really heavy stuff in our life. And Jesus said, come to me. If you're weary, if you're tired, if you're heavy, come to me. I'll give you rest. He said, come to me, I'll give you religion. He said, come to me, I'll give you rest. And as we were praying as a leadership team this morning, uh, just kind of the image that's went through our head was like, you know, what's outside of this like image in the head of like a bunch of baggage being left at the front of the room and we all walk out just a lot lighter today. I believe there's an invitation from God to step into, into relationship and outside of out, step out of religion. And I don't know if maybe we've been carrying some weight, but it's time to just let Jesus carry the way he can carry and you walk as a friend of God. So as we uh, pray, I'm going to pray here in just a second. I just want to invite you to, to come up and respond. We always do this at the front of the room. There's nothing special about the front of the room, but sometimes it's just good to have a physical response to what God's doing. And we're going to have a prayer team uh, come up over to the side of the room over here, just a handful of people. And I'd love to pray with you. If there's something that you need somebody to stand with you for, they're not perfect, but they love to pray with you. And so if you need prayer, please don't leave that you what you need this morning. We're going to worship uh, to a song called Good, Good Father as a song of celebration. This morning, and we are called to live as friends of God. If we can be a friend of God in this chance. So would you bow your head and pray with me? And just before we pray, I just want to take a moment here and invite anybody 
never given your life to Jesus. Maybe you've never stepped into a relationship with God. And you realize, well, I would love to walk like that. I can't even get out of my own hole. I can't even get out of my own pit. You want to come to Jesus and give your life to Him this morning. If you're here this morning, you want to give your life to Jesus. You need to be set free. And you want to be no longer an enemy of God or a friend of God. You want to raise your hand. And if you're here this morning, and that's you, I really want you to go over and sign and talk to somebody. I'd love to introduce you to Jesus. And just right now, as I pray, if you need to respond, if you need to come up, you want to drop off some baggage. You're here to tell anybody, you need to tell Jesus, Lord, I've been carrying this way for too long. There's some baggage you need to let go in front of the room or in your seat or whatever. But just let this be a time when we drop the load of religion and we pick up the relationship with Jesus. Amen. Lord, we love you. Would you do uh, an amazing thing that's Lord, you highlight right now everywhere that we're carrying the road that you are going to feel. I pray that we would come to you as weak, heavy-laden people, and we would encounter the rest of relationship with Jesus. Lord, I pray over every person here this morning that they're walking out of here convinced more than ever before that Jesus loves you.